walking through and trying to figure out what's actually going on. What are you struggling with? And we found that most of the time they're struggling with the fact that they don't know how to communicate with each other. They don't know how to set norms and get on the same page about the team. When the conflict comes up, they don't know how to solve it. And so we're trying to figure out what obstacles are in their way and blocking them from solving that problem. We're trying to go from concept to product. And concepts are cheap, products are hard trying to get an understanding of the problem that's being solved and the way the solution fits into that problem and who's willing to pay for it as opposed to just coming out with an idea. Ideas are on the back of a napkin. This is The Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs. Anyone thinking about a startup or a business pivot or just getting underway and looking for some help. Hear from experts who've been there and done that. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. In this episode, we look at startups that need funding. Then we hear from an angel investor looking for startups to mentor and if it's a good fit to fund. Could it be a match? Here's Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. It takes hours, weeks, and perhaps months to apply for a grant, but after it runs out, you literally have to start all over from scratch. And you might get a couple of quick snippets of revenue here and there, but not anything that's going to get your business to be fully sustainable, unless you have a very patient team of entrepreneurs at the helm. We're on location with Brock Nelson, the founder of CoStudy, and welcome to the Language of Business. Pleasure to be here, Greg. Brock, what is it like applying for a grant? It's a slow, painful, and uh, hopefully uh, joyful process by the end. How many grants has CoStudy successfully applied for? Successfully, I believe we've gotten four grants now, mainly through Boston University. And how about awards from winning business plan competitions or entering into incubators or accelerators? Yes, we've gotten into a few incubators and accelerators, a couple at Boston University and one at New York University as well. And you've started generating revenue. Co-study is a service that helps students collaborate in preparing for homework or exams with classes. What types of revenue have you generated so far? So we sell directly into the university. We typically sell on a per head basis. And so we generated about $24,000 of revenue last year. And how many universities does that represent approximately? That was three universities. So right now you're in a position that you have money in the bank, but my guess is you want to go from three or four universities to 30 or 40 universities. What comes next? We're still honing down on our product market fit right now. So we're at a really exciting point where we have people interested in what we're doing. People are loving the peer evaluation side of our platform. Professors find a lot of value and are saving a bunch of time because we're taking a process that used to take them about 15 hours and cutting it down to about an hour to a semester. But the next value prop that we're really trying to hack into is making teams work better together. Now, how do you get a group 20 to 22 year olds to actually get along together in a group project. That's the nut we're trying to crack. And we think we're really close, but we want to test it this fall before we go and scale it up in 2023. What does that specifically mean when you say trying to hone product market fit? Are you using focus groups? Are you talking to professors and students? Help us understand literally what goes on behind the scenes. All of the above, right? Pretty difficult to get students on camera and talking to us in a focus group, but we do have some amazing professors that are incentivizing their students top on calls with us. In those calls, we're 
walking through and trying to figure out what's actually going on. What are you struggling with? And we found that most of the time they're struggling with the fact that they don't know how to communicate with each other. They don't know how to set norms and get on the same page about the team. When the conflict comes up, they don't know how to solve it. And so we're trying to figure out what obstacles are in their way and blocking them from solving that problem. So let's assume you successfully identify an obstacle that you can solve. How long does it take for you to write that code? We found that team contracts are going to help a ton with getting somebody on the same page about what expectations you're going to bring into a team. And so that process is going to probably take us about a month to two months to create. And so right now we're in the process of, okay, what should we include in the team contract at a very high level? What kind of norms do we want to set? How is that going to plug into the rest of the platform? Then we write a spec about what kind of features we need in the team contract. We give that to our product development team, which is myself and Henry Kaufman, our wonderful developer who's built the whole platform. And then we go ahead and build wireframes. And after those wireframes are built, we're trying to get as much feedback and iterate and change them as quick as we can based on that feedback before we go ahead and build out the back end of the code and make it into a working product in the actual platform. The theme of this episode is startups before funding. As you look to the next, say, six to 18 months, are you looking for more grants? a large institutional investor, private investor, or perhaps C, all of the above? Yeah, we're looking for one really cool angel investor who believes in our mission and is willing to help us scale up to a million dollars in revenue in the next two years. And ideally, would that be straight angel type financing or would you look to have a safe note or convertible note? Help us to understand that aspect of your fundraising journey, please. So we're looking at a convertible note. Currently, we're doing a family and friends round to get us through the next year, six months, while we're trying to find that lovely individual. That would probably be a convertible note. But again, we're open to whatever that investor thinks is most appropriate. And how easily are you able to adjust your burn rate if finding that wonderful individual takes, say, another two or three months beyond your projections? That's a deeply personal question, right? Because I'm graduating college in August and my parents have been lovely enough to support me up through that point. I've saved up a little bit of money that'll get me through December. But after that, I'll probably need to start working at a coffee shop or something like that to pay rent. So that's literally our burn rate is how long can I survive without a job? Do I use my career and go get a different job or do I keep working on co-study full-time and get a part-time job to pay rent? And would you consider the freemium model where you would essentially give the product away for free, hoping to find adoption on the back end? Or given how successful you've been so far, have you sort of graduated beyond that model? We love free pilot. Currently, we give our product for free for one semester, and that's been working great because it gets people into the hands. We get a lot of feedback. We get to interact with more people. So we've been doing that on an application basis, found that professors who are interested in helping the whole student have been the most successful in using our tool. And so those are the folks that we try to give our product away to for free first. Brock, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. Brock Nelson, co-founder of CoStudy. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. Next up, we hear from angel investor Ben Litauer who's looking for startups to mentor, and if it's a good fit, as an investment, when the language of business continues. I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Question has taught me over the past four years. 
The curriculum at Questions is really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Questions School of Business and, like I said, be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash Questrom. You're listening to the Language of Business and our look at startups looking for funding and investors looking for promising startups. Back to Greg Stuller. Thank you, Don. When choosing to get involved with a startup, where does mentorship end and angel investing begin? We're on location with Ben Litauer, who is a very successful angel investor, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thanks, Greg. So where does that line end between being a mentor versus an investor? Well, I'm a seed stage investor, and so I see a lot of business plans, and sometimes the entrepreneurs need a little help. And that help is defined as they want it, but the main thing is that until I've written a check or gotten some of my colleagues to write checks, it's not an investment. It's just mentorship. It's just a lot of talk, a lot of trying to figure out product market fit, business models, and such things. And once that's happened, it may be time to go out to the groups that I belong to and see whether there's some interest in investing. So how many times do you force slash cajole your startups, we hope, into revising their business plan and their cash flow projections? That's a continuous process. And so the business plan that we invest in is never the business plan that works. But before we get to angel investing, we will often see a radical change in what the business plan is. And the business plan will also change depending on which investor you're trying to court. If you're courting a VC, it's a different business plan from courting me as an angel. And in the early days, pre or post funding, how do you deal with your startups in terms of working with them to go from concept to fruition, product market fit, profitability, or something else entirely? All of the above, but the most important thing is that at the stage that I invest, we're trying to go from concept to product. And concepts are cheap, products are hard. Trying to get an understanding of the problem that's being solved and the way the solution fits into that problem and who's willing to pay for it are all of the components that go into making a product as opposed to just coming out with an idea. Ideas are on the back of a napkin free. So let's get back to the progression. You've met with the entrepreneur several times. They are successfully wending their way through the process. And maybe they're on Series B, which is a lot more advanced than angel funding. What do you do in that particular case? Does the mentorship continue? Do you then move to wanting to get paid or equity? Help us to understand that, please. I am a generalist. My history is in software and technology that way, but my investments are all over the map. It used to be that I said, as an angel, I didn't have to have a thesis. I've sort of developed the thesis over time that I want to do some good with my money, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to counsel companies in any area. And that can range from breweries to therapeutics and everything in between. I often see companies that have multiple mentors, and I think that's a wonderful thing because my point of view is just one. And what I'm looking for in an entrepreneur is the ability to integrate multiple opinions and make a sensible choice. That's the key that I think is very important to moving forward. And I don't typically work in teams of mentors. 
but I do often see other mentors counseling the same entrepreneurs. Amongst all of the entrepreneurs that you've worked with, what would you say is the single most common point of failure? The hope is that I've established a personal relationship and all of investing is, is about people. And I'm hoping that I've developed a personal relationship with the entrepreneur founding team and that they will still value my opinion. And usually that progresses from let's figure out what the right business plan is to let's figure out how to manage this team. Let's figure out how to manage stresses of being a series A founder and working on the human side of it rather than just the business side of it. So I hope I'm valued as a mentor in the more broad sense, a coach than just as I'll help you get the first round. The board of directors is a legal entity and has fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders and take the company's interest as prime. And so they have a very different role from the other two. The advisory board is often a group of key opinion leaders, people who really understand the market with deep domain expertise, and they can be trotted out and are often compensated with equity and sometimes with cash to trot out and say, this is why we think this company is doing great things. The mentor role that I take on typically is not compensated, a more of a generalist role. And as we've just mentioned, as it progresses, becomes more of a personal support role representing the CEO or founder or the founding team rather than the company. So let's assume, Ben, that the personal relationship continues and they want to offer you some form of compensation. Would you prefer a stipend, an hourly rate, see all of the above, perhaps a choice of equity? Help us to understand that as well, please. At the stage that I typically am involved with the companies, cash is not usually on the table. That's why they're seeking funding and it's usually small funding. So there's not going to be a lot of cash involved. I am very upfront that I don't need to be compensated. I do this because I get the opportunity to invest early if it's a company that's actually going to be one of the princes rather than one of the frogs. That's sort of my compensation there. That said, if someone offers me equity and that has happened, I'm willing to take it. I have to make it clear to the entrepreneur that this is not contingent on my landing funding because I'm not a broker. And I have to make it very clear to my colleagues that I have this relationship. And so I have an equity stake in the company prior to any investment. So by that assertion, you know, we're guaranteed to get 0.01% of the market and then further guaranteed to make money after that, right? Well, you have to be a polymath. You have to be interested in learning new things because these entrepreneurs are breaking new ground. And if they're not, you're not going to invest in them. And so the interest in learning new things, trying to puzzle out new business models is critical to your success as a mentor. And frankly, that's why I do this. It's just such fun to talk to these entrepreneurs who are typically very intelligent people and who have interesting ideas, even if I don't necessarily end up investing in them. I love the passion and the ongoing desire and drive to learn something new. Thank you, Ben Littauer, successful angel investor, for joining us on The Language of Business. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. Support for The Language of Business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. We're available wherever you get podcasts or ask Alexa. Social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Oswee Media. 
Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Audio production, editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.